Hey guys, just a quick note before we begin that the show may contain spoilers and adult language, but that's just because we know how to have a good time. Stick around, you'll be glad you did. You are here for me to enlighten you. You ever act like this again, you're barred for life. It's just vile and base. It's kind of embarrassing. If you know your lines, then you can forget them. Oh, I get it. It's very clever. <laughs> Hello, peoples, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. I am Jason Peters, and with me, as always, is the man who Michael Shannon once described as a little too intense for his liking, Mr. Ryan Siebold, the third Esquire! Whoa, that's a lot of titles. Um... Man, no, no pressure from my man Michael Shannon. Sorry, uh, I don't mean. I'll ca- I'll cool it down for him. I'll cool it down for him. I didn't mean to come off as being intense. <laughs> I honestly, I think it was just like I think it mostly stemmed from the time where like he took your parking spot. You remember that time? Like you were really upset about it. I and, and you just let him have it. And I mean, at the time, I thought I assumed roid rage or something because I mean, dude, you just went off. Sometimes you have to. I. I mean, <laughs> he took my spot. I don't know what to say. I got it, pretty yeah, upset. Exactly right. So, so some Hollywood big shot just gonna take the little man's parking spot? No. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Listen, <laughs> listen, Michael. We know you're listening to our show. We know that you're one of the four, and and we remember. We remember, bro. He actually seems like a pretty cool dude. So uh, my apologies yeah. <laughs> for losing my cool. I love Michael Shannon. In this imaginary story, everything that never he's happened. in is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to tone it down. <laughs> we have got an excellent show for you today. Will it be good? Will it be bad? Who's to say? It's gonna be something though. Ryan, watch kick things off with the description of this episode's film. This movie is seeking a friend for the end of the world, which. It just seems fitting for the end of 2020. Everyone, we freaking made it. If you're listening to this, we made it. And I, Lord, I hope you're listening to this because uh, otherwise we didn't make it. And that sucks. So there's only two options. Uh, seeking a friend for the end of the world for t- from 2012. Uh, way back in the day when we thought it would take an asteroid to bring out these events. Uh, 2020 said, hold my beer and watch this. Um, a nice little existential parable from uh the lorraine scafaria who brought us hustlers uh, a year or two ago she also wrote uh nick and nora's uh infinite playlist um rotten tomatoes describes this movie as the announcement that an enormous asteroid will obliterate earth in less than a month brings an end to the marriage of mild-mannered insurance salesman dodge played by steve carell whose wife leaves him on the spot after his bold young neighbor penny Belatedly delivers a letter from Dodge's former sweetheart. Dodge decides that he must find the love of his life before it is too late. Dodge and Penny embark on a road trip that eventually brightens their outlook, if not the entire world's. Aww. Jason, I really enjoyed this movie. It is star-studded. It's got a bunch of comedians in it uh, that were all on the come-up back then, um, minus Steve Carell, who had already kind of locked his place in in history with The Office and such, but... uh, did you like this movie or uh, this was kind of a you could take it or leave it. I personally I I love this movie. Uh what did you think? Well, I'll tell you what Ryan, before we begin, why don't we play a trailer real quick for the audience? We'll come back. I'll let you know and we'll get into the film. All right. 
The final mission to save mankind has failed. The 70-mile-wide asteroid known as Matilda is set to collide with Earth in exactly three weeks' time, and we'll be bringing you our countdown to the end of days, along with all your classic rock favorites. So, uh, feel free to wear your casual Friday clothing pretty much any day of the week. And if anyone wants to be CFO... <laughs> anyone? So, what are you doing with the rest of your life? Catching up on some me time, find God, maybe move around some chairs. Maybe I'll run into your orange or something. Well, that sounds nice. Listen, Elsa, you don't have to come next week or ever if you don't want to. It's okay. You fighting me? There's just no need. Forget it. See you next week, Mr. Dutch. I regret my entire life. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye now. We should set up Dodge with Karen, don't you think? It's everything I never wore. <laughs> The sky is falling. I've been with a different girl every day. They don't care about diseases. Are you gonna call them back? Or are you related, you know? No, I don't. It's, I don't, I you don't. don't. Hello? You okay? No! I'm never gonna see my family again. Would you like to come in? I won't steal anything if you don't kill me. Agreed. Who's the girl? Is she the one that got away? Well, they all got away, but she was the first, yeah. Let's go find her. We need to go, right now. If you drive me to where I need to go, I can get you to your family. Luckily, I'm getting my midlife crisis in just under the wire. <laughs> Welcome to Frenzies, where everyone's your friend. I can't believe you guys are still open. And do you know what? It's his birthday today. Why didn't you tell me that? Uh -huh. Happy birthday! Uh -huh. No! Oh, God. Yeah, we should go. We should go. We can't be serious. How fast are you going? 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. Given the couldn't you find it in your heart to give my friend here a fighting chance of being with the one he loves before we all reach our untimely conclusion? No. All right, man. So this was a movie that I was really looking forward to. I thought the premise was awesome. Was really hoping that it was going to be everything that I wanted it to be. And it just wasn't, man. Uh, it just wasn't for me. It was, here's the thing. I didn't dislike this movie by any means, but I didn't love it either. I, I was For me, it was just kind of like a totally, you know, decent experience. Uh, I watched it with my wife. She loved it. So you're definitely not alone in that. And we're going to go ahead and get into the specifics of why right here. So when we start this film, we're going to start at the beginning as we always do. Start We've got a shot of Dodge, who is played by Steve Carell, and his wife, or who is ostensibly his wife anyway, is sitting in the car. They're listening to an announcement over a radio broadcast that the earth is officially coming to an end as the final shuttle mission to save the planet has failed. By the way, before we continue, Ryan, do you know the name of the actress who played his wife in that shot and jumps out? Yeah, that's his real-life wife, Nancy Carell. She used to yes, be on sir, it uh, is. she used to be on the Daily Show with him. That's how I know her and uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, very talented actress. She was great on that show. Loved it when she was on there with John Stewart and the rest. So um but yeah, so here's the thing. Before we continue, Ryan, there there are a lot of things about this movie that, uh, I mean, call them on the nose or silly, whatever you want to call them. But like 
right off the bat, the the main character's name is Dodge, dude. Are you are you serious? Like, <laughs> it's come on, man. Like, you're just gonna throw that right out there. Like, I, I like I wouldn't be surprised if the original name for him was Shy, and they were like, that's that's just a little far. And she was like, all right, I'll go with Dodge. Like. Come on, dude! Don't 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 do that. Because why? <laughs> so why is that too on the, on the nose? Because, he, because, because he's dodgy and he dodges people and he's dodging life and just I don't I don't know, right. dude. It's like right. it just seems ridiculous. It, but it what that being said, it would have been awesome if like the camera pulled back on that initial shot and they were sitting in a Dodge sedan. That that would have just been brilliant, man. So uh, as long as we're going down the list, uh, Kira Knightley's character's name is Penny. Um, and her, her boyfriend that they ditch, played by Adam Brody, uh, his name is Owen. So it's Owen Pennies. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a you know, and they're financially distressed. Uh, how deep are we gonna go into this, Jason? Owen Penny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, dude. Like it was just it it made itself known to me. So, but regardless, so as the shot continues, as as you said in the description. Uh, his wife jumps out of the car, runs off, never to be seen again. And we soon learn that there are three weeks left before the world is going to end. Uh, and despite this, Dodge decides that he's going to go into work. And it's that's actually a pretty funny scene I did appreciate. There's like three other people in the office, including, as I'm sure you noticed, one Mr. Rob Hubel, who really doesn't say much of anything, nope. but uh, sits there with a sullen look on his face, which he does very well, as we know. And it's a uh, stale corporate office. There's this sort of funny exchange where they're talking about all the positions that are opening up. And the guy ended up offering the position of CFO if anybody wants it. And then the <laughs> girl's just like there crying her eyes out. I actually do have a clip of that that I'm going to play for people real quick. I'm sorry, sir, that's not covered under your current policy. I'm afraid the Armageddon package is extra, yes. Well, that protects you and your family against any sort of apocalyptic disaster, asteroids, obviously, plague, famine, locusts. Drawbacks. Um, the premiums are high. I'm sorry. Uh, can you just hold on for one moment? Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, feel free to wear your casual Friday clothing uh, pretty much any day of the week. <laughs> and since Ted in Human Resources is no longer with us, uh, <laughs> I, I thought I'd uh, let you all know of a few positions in upper management that have been made available. Uh, so, uh, if anyone wants to be chief financial officer, CFO, anyone? Life has no meaning. Anyone? I really think I'm going to die. So, a funny little exchange there, Ryan. And from there, Dodge returns home, and he's got his housekeeper, Elsa. She's cleaning, and he basically tries to fire her. Hilarious. But she's not having it. <laughs> she has no idea till the very end of the film. She has no idea. She just uh, thinks that uh, she's being fired every time he tells her she doesn't have to come back anymore. She can go home and be home with her family. And yeah, I thought that was a pretty solid running joke, uh, personally. Yeah. 
the way I saw it, I didn't think that she didn't know what was going on per se. I think it was just kind of like her inability to accept what was going on, you know, just kind of the regularity and normality of just showing up to work every day, which sort of parallels what he did uh, by going into work. So yeah. I think that was kind of her thing. Yeah, but when he tried to tell her to go home, she took it as being fired. And so it just didn't yes. process with her that she would be have to go anywhere else. This is her duty. This is what she's supposed to do on Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, from there he goes back to work the next day. And I think that's pretty much just to set up the gag where Rob Hubel's body smashes into the windshield of his car. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> that one caught me off guard. So, I shit my pants a little bit on that scene. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. <laughs> I had my, uh, you know, it's just a lot of casual dialogue and kind of uh, easygoing jazzy music. And then all of a sudden that loud crash on the windshield. And uh, yeah, I peed a little bit. It certainly was jarring. Yeah. Now let's take talk about Steve Carell's performance here real quick. So this was made when Steve Carell was making a, being a sad sack into sort of an art form, if not a very bankable role that he could just do over and over and over again. We saw films like Dan in real life come out at this time alongside this one. Think what was it like crazy stupid love or some something like that yeah uh, it could be wrong something sound like that and then uh i mean and then even before that it's really kind of an extension of even the role that he played in the 40 year old virgin i was Granted, gonna say that yeah. was much more uh-huh. of a comedic role yeah so but yeah so i mean did you did you like the performance he was surrounded by comedy, but he played kind of the same role and this was um a very similar situation where he was surrounded by a lot of strong comedians uh, that were, you know, giving it their all and uh, uh, what I believed were funny jokes and, and solid writing. And he just kind of carried us through uh, in a morose fashion. Um, I get what you're saying. If if you're looking at this movie in context, in the sense that of what everything else that he was doing in his performance versus everything he was doing at that time, uh, I could tend to agree um, you could probably say that about Kira Knightley's performance in a, in a similar fashion in this movie. Um, but out of context, if we're going to talk about just this movie, I really enjoyed this movie. I stand by it. This movie, yeah. um, kind of felt a little garden statey to me. This was like garden state 2.0. Mm-hmm. It was a spiritual sequel. <laughs> uh, you know, Zach Braff kind of played that same character that was surrounded by, uh, comedic roles and like odd situations that he got thrown into here and there. Um, but he was kind of our vehicle to take us through without altering the course much. And uh, he would respond to things in the way that maybe the audience would, even though he was being thrown into some pretty outlandish scenarios. And I feel the same about this movie. Don't disagree with you, man. Uh, I think that there's a lot of the same sort of spirit and energy there. And I mean... I like Garden State. Don't get me wrong. I think that I appreciated it way more when I was younger. Um, I don't know that I would find the shins to be a life-changing experience <laughs> anymore. Though, to be honest, I never did. I was never a fan of that sound, let's be honest. But, um, you know, it's just it's one of those it's one of those movies where it's designed for, for youth, you know? Like, it's for a younger crowd, you know? A crowd that's sort of Garden still State, got their whole lives ahead of them, right? And, like... It's yeah. like got that graduate thing where, you know, it's like you're not really sure what you're going to be doing and these expectations and, you know, feel like failure. You haven't even started, blah, blah, blah. So right. it's like 
like, but this you know, movie is the other side of that. Through this, uh, this movie is the other side huh? of that. This is Garden State 2.0, wherein uh, this is like Zach Braff's character 20 years later. After he is working in insurance <laughs> and his wife just left him and the world is coming to an end with an asteroid causing a cataclysmic uh, apocalyptic event on Earth. And so this is kind of the other side of that. And I will also add this movie, uh, much like Garden State at the time, uh, this movie has a uh, even though it didn't hold up, I, I will agree. Uh, this movie has a really solid soundtrack. I enjoyed uh, a lot of this stuff on this soundtrack personally. Um, mostly older songs, uh, but uh, yeah, if you're out there, look it up. I I personally thought every song was pretty fitting for the scene it was in and did it justice. You know what? That's actually really interesting because generally speaking, I tend to pay really close attention to the music in films or I will at least notice them subconsciously or otherwise. And I don't remember any of the music from this. Film. What are you like serious? We, yeah. Did we watch the same movie, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's weird because you said that. And I was like, huh, that's really because like, for example, we both felt that way about book smart, um, you know, a couple months back or whenever it was like that had a rock and roll soundtrack. We both picked up on that. We both picked up on the Dan the Automator tracks and, you know, some right. of the different people that were featured on there. And, and yeah, so generally speaking, I'm totally with you. Like, I will notice those those soundtrack songs. And it's even now I'm trying to think of anything. Well, I cannot let, let me let me run it. Let me song. run it down. Let me run it down for you for you and, and our four listeners. You got to, I think we're up to six, six listeners now. Uh, you got Wouldn't It Be Nice <laughs> by the Beach Boys. You got Devil Inside by In Excess. Uh, you got. Uh, in the Time of My Ruin by Frank, uh, Frank Black. You got Set Adrift on Memory Bliss by P.M. Don. You got The Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore by The Walker Brothers. The Air That I Breathe by The Hollies. Dance Hall Days by Wang Chung. Uh, you got some Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Uh, this Guy's In Love With You. The Walker Brothers, Stay With Me Baby. Um, you know, it's all, it's all uh, oldies, if you will, but uh, I thought it was, you know, pretty fitting and carried the scenes pretty solidly. I don't know. Just one man's opinion. So when we come back to the film, Ryan, uh, we get one of what is one of your favorite storytelling devices I know, which is the unmotivated time jump. And that actually <laughs> happens a couple times in this film. <laughs> and it's just where they decide that they've said everything they need to say within this. And so they're just going to do the uh, two weeks later sort of thing. So in well, that Are spirit, you talking about we the... Uh, well, it, it's a... I would... I'm going to reverse engineer that and say that uh, it's... One of the other uh, passages of time motivators that we've seen throughout our journey on this podcast, which is the ticking clock. And they come on the screen on several <laughs> occasions and say how many days left we have until the end of the world. And so it kind of lets us know over time, um, you know, how long uh, we uh, it, how much time has passed and how much time we have left. So uh, it kind of keeps the pressure on our necks a little bit to. You know, it keeps the throttle going. Yeah, well, see, that's one of the issues that I had with the film, though, is I didn't think they handled it effectively. Like, it's not handled consistently. It's, you know, three weeks to go, and then there's, like, one or two days, and then all of a sudden we're jumping forward to two weeks, and then it's been anywhere from, like, one to seven days, and now we're jumping forward to the very last day, and it just, it did not feel, it felt like one of those things where as a screenwriter, it's like, oh, I need to put in this ticking clock. Here we go. But it was like not really part of the original vision and it was just not really implemented organically, I found. 
I never really was like, oh, they've got to hurry because pressure's mounting. I never got that at any point in the in time during this film. Oh, I did. I'm going to, uh, man, this is like a reverse lives of others where I actually really uh, <laughs> right? got a lot of these things and you're, you're not having it. I, you know, maybe if they yeah, were German yeah. and emotionless, you would have been all about this. <laughs> <laughs> if it was cold and calculating and cynical, I'd be like, oh, Ryan, it was brilliant. It was yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> take us through the plot a little bit. Let's, let's get into this. Cause, uh, r- I think the yeah. next scene is going to start taking us into, uh, Rob Cordry's character and I love Rob Cordry's character. Indeed it is. Yeah. It's where we jump forward and he's at the party and basically everybody's just, you know, said, fuck it. Like there's nothing really to take seriously anymore. We can all just sort of bang and do the drugs we never did and this and that. And, uh, so we see dodge dodging this girl that's coming on to him very strongly you see what they did there clever uh, <laughs> I, hate, I so hate that you picked up on that because i didn't and that and now i'm not mad <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah so he's trying to avoid her we'll say this time and uh you know so and then Pat oswald shows up which Ah, oh, love me some Patton Oswald. That's the same uh, party that Rob Corddry's at and his wife. And yeah, I mean, and that's one thing that this film does incorporate to a large degree, whether or not you think it's successful. But it has a lot of those celebrity cameos, you know, like a lot of the sort of Will Ferrell comedies tend to have. And I don't know. I mean, did you feel like any of them were particularly memorable, Ryan? Well, uh, let me start by saying that this was 2012. So remember that, uh, you know, has had Ratatouille even come out yet by then? Maybe it, it was right on the heels of this or something. Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of when these people all became stars. Were they stars at this point? Um, Rob Corddry. Well, they had to be enough so that they would be in the film. Was out yet. Um, yeah, I mean, they have careers, but Rob Corddry might have just been coming off of The Daily Show, uh, which is where Steve Carell knew, you know. Uh, knew him from, uh, et cetera. So, yeah, uh, you got Melanie Linsky in this movie. Um, you've got uh, uh, Connie, Br- uh, Connie Britton. Um, there's a lot of Adam Brody. There's a lot of people in this movie that, uh, you know, uh, it's easy to forget that eight years ago, you know, some of this stuff may not, you know, some of their careers may not have been as relevant as they are today. I don't know. Uh, the party was hilarious to me. Before that, we, uh, when, when Steve Carell, shows up to Rob Corddry's house and Rob Corddry's uh, saying, you know, it's going to be a killer party tonight. His son storms off all emo and depressed. Um, he says, whatever, dad, and slams the door. And I just thought that was so hilarious that adolescence and puberty uh, w- makes no exception for the apocalypse. <laughs> so, you know, darkness be darkness regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I also uh, thought it was a very funny moment where the couple shows up and they're like, hey, guys, who wants to do heroin? And they like drop the bag out and everyone's like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. And and yeah, you know, I mean, of course, with no rules at the end of the world, like who knows what the hell we would all do. I'm sure we'd all just be banging and doing drugs and not that's fuck, like, yeah, like I mean, that was uh, Pat Oswalt's stance. He wanted to <laughs> get an orgy started. And uh, his little two chefs in the kitchen song that he was singing was pretty funny. I thought that. <laughs> so immediately after that, Dodge returns to his apartment to find Kira Knightley's Penny, 
and she is crying on a balcony just outside of his apartment. She reveals, well, he goes to the window, opens it up, says hello, and she quickly reveals that uh, she just missed the last opportunity to be with her family, who is in, in England, I believe, and all of the flights have been officially shut down because there's no more reason for anything to continue. World's coming to an end, and she missed that window to get back to mom and dad. So she's torn up, and they have a little exchange, and she conveniently ends up giving him three years or worth of undelivered mail or something like that. It was a couple and months, that's... yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a long time. I don't know, three months, three years, whatever. It was a bunch of mail, and that's the device that they used to reveal to Dodge's character that his wife of however long was having an affair. Also, with the comment she makes about, like, her boyfriend being there or something like that. So No, 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 no. The mail he... introduces the letter from his previous love um before he, he was married his ex-girlfriend uh who had sent him a letter professing her love uh for him and he had just been dumped by his wife uh who he found out to your point Kira Knightley confessed that she had seen uh, a man sneaking in and out of the apartment who he, she assumed was his mm -hmm. roommate uh it turns out you know his wife was having an affair so that you know gave him the closure he needed and opened up a new door to Go seek out this long lost, you know, uh, unfulfilled love and see if there was any way to rekindle it for the few days that he might have left. Um, OK, wait, hold on. So that's not I'm pretty sure it comes later because he doesn't accept it because he ends up like getting so torn up about it that he goes on that codeine bender. And he like chugs the cough syrup. Right. The codeine bender like came running around this. the park. That and was all he before like, this. He found the dog uh, before this, Lucky. Or no, Sorry. The dog, Sorry. Um, and that's another thing that I want to bring up. They find the dog. He wakes up after trying to drink Windex and kill himself after he finds out about this affair. And the, the there's a note. I don't even know who the hell the note's from. And it just says Sorry on there. And so what does he call the dog? Sorry. Like, what yeah. the hell is with these names, dude? They're so oh, ham Oh, Jesus. I'm I'm revoking your publishing license uh, because you're you're becoming <laughs> pretentious and crusty and grumpy. Oh god! <laughs> what are with I, these I names? I have been crusty and Bill, pretentious for a long time. He spends money, bro. dollar bills. He spends money. His name's Bill. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, dude? It doesn't. It was a I'm, funny little witty pun. He had a he, the dog was left with him like. Sorry, I'm leaving this with you. I ain't taking care of it for the rest of the apocalypse. I'm going to go have fun. And so, yeah, he just looked at the note and looked at the dog. And he's like, fuck it. Your name's sorry. Like, that's what your name is now. I thought it was a fun little play on words. And the coating bender happened previous because the cough syrup was left on the table because she takes a nip of it. and says, mind if I have some? And then he uh, unscrews the lid and... Uh, you know, or she she takes a hit. So um, also, uh, it should be noted that when he takes the coating out of the uh, medicine cabinet, uh, you could see very clearly the expiration date. This movie takes place in March 2021. So, <laughs> oh wow, yeah. All right. Um, if you're Gear all up, listening guys. to this, everyone, all six of you, uh, just get your affairs in order. You know, get get your shit lined out. If you have any neighbors that may have collected some mail. Maybe go knock on their door, see if there's anything for you. <laughs> also make sure you also make sure you get a big ass bottle of coating cough syrup. You never know when you're gonna need it.
Yep. And if your name's Dodge or, or something stupid, just end it, I guess. Jump out of the window. Because <laughs> Jason ain't having it. Definitely don't email us or definitely don't friend us on uh, Twitter if your name is something stupid. <laughs> you know what, Ryan? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna write a movie about a, a shy protagonist, and I'm gonna call him nervous, and I'm just gonna expect you guys to think it's cute. Yeah, I I just honestly I didn't get hung up on the names because I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a a fun movie, but uh, they lost they they lost you at hello. So I guess there was no <laughs> no turning it around once you got introduced. What what was his name? Oh fuck this movie. <laughs> By the way, I just want to remind you and the listeners that I didn't dislike this movie. For the oh, okay. purposes of this discussion, I really am taking the opposite side because you okay. loved it. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. Like I it was it was fine, it was okay. There it, it was enjoyable enough. It was I didn't dislike it. Like I just a lot of people seem to love it, and I can't say that I loved it. So I know that's that fair. I'm only pointing out the stuff that 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 is wrong with it, but that's because you know you're taking the pro. So okay, in the interest of having a nice spirited debate, and hopefully it's entertaining for people that are listening, I'm kind of taking the uh, the other side. Here. I appreciate your asterisk, and uh, I must be wearing orthopedic shoes because I stand corrected. Um, <laughs> Kira Knightley. Let's that's talk a good about one. her. You just came up with that one right now? So, Man, that's cool. So, Kira Knightley uh, gets introduced here in this scene. Um, how do you feel about Kira Knightley? Because every time I see her in a movie, I ask myself, Ryan, how do you feel about Kira Knightley? <laughs> <laughs> and you can never really be certain. I, I mean, I keep asking myself. So, she's in some good movies. I, uh, yeah. I've, I've really liked a lot of her films that she's in. Uh, one could argue that, uh, she's like, how could I phrase? She's like a generic, uh, brand Natalie Portman, but the kind of generic brand that actually is better than the original. And it's like your little secret kind of like, like, like an off brand that's better. Like she's like the fabuloso Natalie Portman, I think. <laughs> like, have you? I don't know if you ever okay. used Fabuloso. That shit is amazing. Oh yeah, no, it's great. But man. people go right to the Windex Pennies or the, on the SOS dollar. or you know the the soft scrub. They go to that name brand shit. But there's that Fabuloso, like half price, just chilling, <laughs> and that's the real stuff that you want. And I think that's Kira Knightley. Uh, I I really appreciate her. Um, I okay, lo- that's really that funny movie. though. Hold on, I got okay. Go ahead. I got to jump in here for just a minute here, okay? Because firstly. I have to say that one of the bigger issues I had with this movie was Kira Knightley's performance. Okay. I, I found, yeah, so I thought, first of all, I thought she was trying to be Natalie Portman from Garden State, just right off the bat. Maybe a slightly and, more exaggerated version. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so there was that aspect of it. But I thought that she did a lot of mugging. Like with her face, like it was also like it was very broad and cartoonish, like the expressions that she would give. And and here's the thing is that when you're up against Steve Carell, who's doing this level of performance where it's just he's at a one point five for the entire movie on a scale of ten, you only need to be at a four or a five to be bringing triple his energy. So when you ramp it up to a ten. It's like, and I mean, I get it. They're supposed to be the odd couple, but that contrast can be just very jarring. And that's what I found here. And again, like 
to like when when I watched her, it's like it was, she was going so broad with it that it just felt exaggerated and I guess even a little campy, maybe. That's fair. I now, mean, I got nothing. I got nothing for a... that. You're absolutely. I mean, I can't argue with that. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Steve Carell was at a one point five. He played it very monotone and and let uh, the situations kind of be the comedy in this. Um, he wasn't funny uh, at all. Um, really, no. he, he was kind of just like I said, the vehicle for us, uh, the audience, to be kind of cynical and um, you know walk through the apocalypse. And you know, it was almost like a, a first-person shooter, if you will, <laughs> from a video game where we got to kind of live through Steve Carell, and uh, but he didn't really emotionally affect anything that was going on around him until towards the end when he had a bit of a, an emotional turnaround. And on that level, maybe I could agree with you about this film uh, not being as good as maybe I'm thinking it is if you start breaking it down technically on that level. But it still was an enjoyable movie. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> From there, one of the scenes that I did like is, uh, speaking of enjoyable, is when they go to that Frenzies, which is supposed to be like the TGI Fridays Whoa, type place. So, and, uh... so real quick, though. They, so <laughs> we got to get them on the road. So, you know, she, uh, her boyfriend, Adam oh, Brody, yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, a total piece of hot garbage. There's riots going on in the streets, um, you know, as the end of the world is drawing nigh. And uh, Steve Carell decides he's going to go save his newfound friend, uh, Penny. Kira Knightley. So he goes to her apartment, bangs on the door. Adam Brody's there, her boyfriend. Um, he gets them both, wakes her up and uh, gets them both and uh, drags them on the road. Uh, he ends up trying to use her as a human shield and uh, they leave him behind and hit the road together, thus uh, setting us out, uh, embarking on the rest of the film. And this is kind of where Act Two begins, I would say, where all our characters are in play and we're on the road and now it's a buddy road movie more or less uh with steve carell and Keira knightley yeah now the one thing that i did think was interesting about that is that we're kind of close to the halfway point of the movie right around here yeah it's really got a, a very long first act which you know there are movies that have that the matrix has a very long first act famously but it was just kind of interesting to note that it did take a little while for it to get started but i also think that the strengths of this movie were in that first half. To me, what I really liked was the world building, the elements that they brought into play with regards to how people were responding and the way things were being grounded and what did that look like. I, I really did like the whole setup. There was a lot of good jokes. But for me, like what kept this movie from resonating with me stronger than I would have liked is that it does that thing where about halfway through, it just switches from being a comedy to taking care of those romantic story elements. You know, this is this is sort of a, a by-the-numbers, very template-driven approach to romantic comedy. And when you set up the fact that it's like the end of the world and blah, 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 and especially that first half hour, you, it kind of sets me up that it's going to go someplace different. So then as soon as we get them on the road, we really just start checking off all of the romantic comedy boxes. And I guess that's kind of what... It didn't feel... See, you're saying that like the ticking clock worked for you for example i didn't i didn't get that i didn't get that they were racing against time i didn't get this could have just been a road trip movie set during not the end of the world for the entire second half until you get to the very last scene and so that's one of the things that kept it from being better for me uh 
I mean, none of the scenes could have existed without the end of the world happening. So, I mean, I, I uh, get what you're saying, but once it's in motion, like I said, I think it's just like, okay, they're here and they're there and they're doing this and they're doing that. And like, fair. everyone's got plenty of time and, you know, there's no real sense of urgency and I don't know. That's just me. I, I'm going to add that I am in the minority here. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes or any kind of uh, critic site or rating site, uh, this movie is not very well reviewed. Um, I think it's certified rotten. Uh, you're looking at, you know, mid to high 50% uh, anywhere you go. So, um, well, and- here's the funny thing about that, Ryan, because I kind of, you know, we don't really try to do too much research before the show or anything, but I did end up stumbling upon a review that I ended up reading just because I wanted to sort of compare their response to, to mine. And yeah, the funny thing about this movie is it really does seem like one of those films where the critics were not particularly generous to it, but audiences seem to really like it. I think it's got like a four and a half stars on, you know, an audience okay. review from Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at a lot of the comments about the film and some of the different forums, people are really kind to it. They do really. So I think it's just one of those ones. And, and part of that, too, Ryan, I did notice this. I think it's a film that doesn't hold up to scrutiny as well. So right. I think that. A more general audience that's just kind of there to enjoy the story and the aesthetics and the performances and you're not really breaking everything down. You know, you're just kind of there and and, and going with it. I think it works for those people. I think I think that me doing this program and looking at the film this closely and breaking all this stuff down actually kind of lessened my opinion of it because this is where I started going like hey, you know, this doesn't really, or this is more like this. Like, it's where I really started noticing a lot of what I find to be the issues with the film. Whereas if you had just watched this movie on an idle Wednesday uh, for entertainment value alone, you may have just gone along for the ride and, you know, had a couple beers and enjoyed it. Got it. I don't think it's a movie I needed to sit there with a notepad with to really enjoy. Right, well, and to your point, I was actually really nervous sitting down and watching this because I had seen this before when it first came out. I think I may have even seen this in theaters, to be honest. And I remember enjoying it, but I didn't know if there was enough meat on the bones to really dissect uh, on a show like this. Um, Truth be told, this was my suggestion uh, for everyone out there that didn't like the movie. I'm sorry if you did, great. Uh, I thought it would be a nice, easy way to wrap up our year. Um, man, look, it's been a rough one and, uh, <laughs> You're not felt, wrong. There, there's been some many, uh, there, there's been some times throughout where I felt like, man, this is an end of the world scenario. And, uh, I can relate, uh, in a lot of ways to a Steve Carell situation and, uh, just going out on a adventure and saying, fuck it all and seeing where life takes me, uh, with a buddy. So if you're out there and uh, things are as bad when you listen to this as they are when we are recording it and you want to go on a funny road trip, hit me up at Esoterica Cinema on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> and let me know where we're going because I am in. <laughs> yeah, man. And at the end of the day, I'm always happy to have seen a film just so I can have an opinion on it, even if I don't particularly like it. I think of all the f- films that we've watched on the program very few of them were an outright waste of time. Maybe a cure for wellness. I probably don't didn't need to have seen, but even something that we hated, like Fritz the Cat, or strongly disliked, like Sweet Sweet Backs, 
you know, there was or still lives value of others, there. They're, that t- terrible, terrible yeah. pile of shit, <laughs> lives of others. <laughs> <laughs> the IMDb top 50 critical raving award winning lives of others. <laughs> All right, man, let's get back to this film. Like I said, I was setting up. They do, uh, once they're on the road, they find themselves at that frenzies. And no, we, uh, they go see Bill Peterson, by... the great William Peterson. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the guy in the truck who's going to get assassinated. Ryan. Yeah, this go is ahead, how they Ryan. get. Tell us where they go. The, this is, uh, well, you're leaving out some big relevant parts here, man. They go see <laughs> <William> <laughs> Peterson. Um, We're going long, dude. We're 40 minutes and we have half of the movie done. Go on. Well, it's a long first act, Jason. But once we get on the road, it's going to be a great <laughs> short second and third act. Uh, <laughs> William Peterson uh, has an, has ordered an assassination. We find out, and he thinks that Steve Carell and Keira Knightley are the assassins. Um, and then uh, it turns out they're not. And uh, he gets very quickly shot uh, suddenly through the windshield of his car mid sentence. They have to go bury him and take his car, uh, but then they bury him with the keys, uh, which is a classic bit. Then they get the keys to his truck, <laughs> hit the road. Then we end up at Frenzies. Jason, go. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I just want to sit in the back seat and sulk. <laughs> so I guess they go see TJ Miller and Jillian Jacobs and like stuff happens or whatever. Oh, man. <laughs> so, no, they do end up there. Like I said, we get some fun uh, cameos by TJ Miller, Jillian Jacobs from various TV shows that we know and love, like Silicon Valley and Community, respectively. And they're all rolling on ecstasy, so they're feeling super huggy, super friendly. And uh, while they're there, they're talking. And uh, Ryan, unless I have this wrong as well, Dodge says that he knows someone that can fly her to England if she's willing to help drive him uh, to Olivia's house. And she agrees, which thus sort of sets up the central hook of the film, which is that... And again, this is being established halfway through... And, you know, we're what we're setting up that it's going to be a movie halfway through. I don't know. So but they're setting up that it's going to be a road trip movie and Wait, they what? end up leaving from the. Yeah, I mean, they've yeah. been on the road. I mean, it was a road trip movie when they, they embarked okay, to go road... see his ex. Well, yeah. And so I guess it's then re- further reinforced with the fact that, like, he says that, like, oh, I can get you to, to someone to England. So that they just, I guess, the, what? So that's probably the device to like keep them together, I suppose. Then no, would, she didn't even that? know. She didn't know that they were that that was the deal. Remember, he puts her in the plane while she's sleeping, uh, and she convinces when she wakes up, she finds you know that comes so much later. See, this is illustrating the problems with the film. We can't even like get on the same page with regard to this film. I- I'm convinced you did not watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. No, dude, I'm telling you, that happens at like the very. That happens after he has the interaction with his dad, right? And we were, we're yes. still, we've still got a little bit before we get to that point. Yeah, but you're saying that it becomes a road movie when he says, "I can get you to England," but he never told her he can get her to England, right? That's the whole thing. That that comes much. No, later. that's no, that's the no, that's like the thing, like at the restaurant that like where they bake that exchange, and 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 she's like. So I guess, yeah, she does say she, like, she can get him Olivia, but, like, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I know somebody who, like, flies a plane. Like, I can get you over to your parents, and you can help me get to Olivia, and, like, both of us will be happy. That's the entire okay. reason that she's, like, going with him. 
Got it. Uh, you know, a better film would have clear, more clearly established that. Just saying. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess. I mean, in, in your no, defense, a better film would have captivated you enough to pay attention to the movie better uh, to, to get some of these details. So if you were nodding out, you know, I stand corrected again. Um, I will agree with you. Well, from there, we also they end up getting back on the road and, you know, like she's uh, smoking a joint or whatever. They're driving down and then they end up getting pulled over by a uh, police captain who even though it's the end of the world, is still going to throw them in jail for some minor violations. I have a clip of that one as well, Ryan, that I'm going to play for people, so let's go ahead and listen. Slow down. Oh, come on, don't you think that he must have better things to do? Benny, pull the car over, Jesus Christ, what's he going to do? Shoot us? There's a very real possibility he could shoot us. Yes, let's pull it over. All right, all right. God, but but I should warn you, my dad's ex-military, and he says that I have a really serious problem with authority. Put that away, please. Mm -hmm. Give that. No, it's all I've got left, and I'm trying to ration it. What do I do with it? Just, just, just put it in your mouth. <coughs> that was still there. <coughs> Hello, officer. What seems to be the problem? Well, for starters, you're traveling about 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. Really? <coughs> oh, I thought I was making better time than that. And, uh, you know, you gotta... Get the taillight out. No. Yeah. Also, the plates expired about a month ago. Go on. Um, that's, that's it. That's everything. That's three things. Well, why don't you write us out any number of expensive time-sensitive tickets and, and we will be on our way? I need some identification. Oh, of course. No, my, my name is Penny and, and this is Dodge. Hi. Okay, license and registration. Well, you see, that's where we've got a problem because um, I didn't get a chance to retrieve my identification before fleeing my home during a deadly riot. However, we were fortunate enough to hitch a ride with a very nice trucker who, turns out, had uh, hired a hitman to assist him in a suicide, thus bestowing us with this beautiful mode of transportation. So, so the answer is no, no license or registration here. However, that... Given the current situation with the, the, the... Uh, couldn't you find it in your heart to set aside the law just this once and uh, let us on our way so that I can give my friend here the fighting chance of being with the one he loves before we all reach our untimely conclusion? So funny little exchange there. They're not going to stay there for long because the police captain's going to come in and he's kind of one of those like, God damn it, Doyle, what are you doing again? I told you not to let these people up. And so he lets them go. And uh, from there, played by the sure lovely Jim O'Hare uh, from Parks and Recreation, Gary, Larry, Jerry. Uh, yes, yes, of course, Jerry. And uh, from there, once they get out. Penny reveals that she has an ex-boyfriend in the area or somewhere along their route. And so they're going to go visit him. And he's basically this sort of like smooth talking survivalist guy that's kind of still into her. He lives in like a shelter with some other dudes and they need to they need to get another car. Right. Because obviously the other one was impounded. And uh, so after some little flirting, Penny's able to convince the guy to let them take the car, kind of get the sense that both of them know it's not coming back, but he does so anyway. And uh, 
from there they go to Dodge's old house, I believe. And that's where they get to sort of listen to the records. We didn't even mention that. The one thing that she grabs from the house when they have to bail is, like, her records. And again, man, it just feels like one of those things like, oh, look how quirky this girl is. She can take anything with her from this raging fire. And she takes her records, and they're going to carry them throughout the whole freaking road trip. And, like, then, of course, you know they're going to have that scene where – they listen to it and she talks about how much warmer and richer vinyl is than any other thing. Like you just know it's coming. Now, Ryan, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier and I'm going to bring this up because I think that it's very appropriate. Now, have you ever heard of the term manic pixie dream girl? No. Okay. So in this article, I happened to read, it was referencing a previous article from a film critic. The film critic's name is Nathan Rabin. I'm not exactly sure who he writes for, but he had watched Elizabethtown featuring Kristen Dunst and coined the term Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And this is basically every girl in all of those sort of indie comedy sort of things where they're these fantastical, free-spirited girls, possibly with colored hair, and... The quote that he uses is he says they, quote, exist solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. The criticism of these characters is that they almost never live for themselves. And that's why it's like they're it's like they're such just constructs of some sort of ideal woman that's somehow attainable despite being perfect and whether it's you know Kate Winslet's character in Internal Sunshine whether it's you know Penny Lane from Almost Famous whether it's Natalie Portman from Garden State whether it's Kira Knightley here we just we see this character all the time and I just don't think that Kira Knightley's version is the best version of that character it's kind of a trope we've seen time and time again and that record scene really just hammered that one home for me. Fair. I'll give you that one. Point Jason. <laughs> Man, I love that you had that one in your hip pocket for the debates. That was uh, a... <laughs> that's a little nugget. Bam! Like, yeah, you're like, wait a minute. All this time. How long have we been talking? 40, 40 minutes. This guy's sitting on this <laughs> article piece that he's going to break out from nineteen fucking 97. As some dude said something about some women. <laughs> All right. No, I'll give you that. <laughs> You're not wrong. Nah, all right. After they listen to the records, uh, he finds the letter and it's got, it's there's been a letter from Olivia and it's got her return address on it. And so they basically are like, oh, we can go see her now. We know where she is. And they do so. But when he gets there, he gets out, he goes to the door and I guess he's just like intimidated and immediately just decides to like leave a letter that he had written her and get back in and drive off. He's acting really weird. Kira Knightley's character's like, what's going on? And then they almost hit this long procession of people that are just going through the middle of the road, like a uh, family of ducks or something. And they are moving forward to the beach and they decide they being uh, Dodge and Penny, they decide to get out of the car and join them for this sort of like impromptu hippie hang sesh on the beach. And is it, I, was that is that what it was? I was trying to figure it out. I think it might have been 
was it a baptism? Was it weddings? They were in a line in a procession, like going up and seeing someone at the at the coastline. And I was trying to figure that out, what that was, because it was never really explained. And they both look at each other like, huh, let's go hang out with these folks. And it was like families and this and that. And I'm like, is this like a baptism? Kind of like the scene from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Like, down, let's go down by the river and pray type of thing. Or were they getting married? Or reaffirming their vows or getting right with God in some way, maybe. I couldn't figure it out. But because it just kind of dissolved. And then next thing you know, they were all having family picnic time. Yeah, exactly. I was hoping you understood what that was. I guess not. That was very poorly explained. The way that I the way that I interpreted it is that it's just a cult, basically. You know, a cult? It's kind of like uh, yeah, this cult leader. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you know, and he's like, follow me. And then, okay, you know, let's go down to the Pacific Ocean and cleanse our souls. But it's like not any sort of like formal sort of procedure or ceremony or anything like that yeah that's fair uh, i i mean i took it as like a know. get right with god in some way shape or form whatever that may be interesting that the film didn't really clarify that yeah hmm. hey this is an enjoyable movie i'm you know <laughs> it, it's a it's been a rough year i get it uh but i still have some joy in my soul um and uh, uh, well at least that makes one of us yeah <laughs> I, I was along for the ride on this one I took notes, uh, you know, that uh, that I'm being hurried along uh, to talk about here. So I will say right after this uh, church procession, whatever the hell cult scene it was, um, we that's where we meet the dad. Right. Played by the great Martin Sheen. Is that when this happens? Immedi- according to your immediately notes? after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, say that this whole uh, and then I'll let you discuss. But but uh, I'll precede it by saying that this whole uh, chapter of the film kind of seems shoehorned in where all of a sudden he has to like make amends with his uh, father and all the problems that were in his childhood and all this weird stuff that just kind of seemed like stuffed in the last really the last 15 minutes of the film I think or maybe 20 tops uh, where all of a sudden oh, there's all this baggage Steve Carell apparently has that he's got to unload on Pops who turns out to be a solid dude Um and ends up helping or trying his best to help him. Uh, anyway, I they they have dinner together and break bread after he lets him in and apologizes profusely to Steve Carell's character. Steve Carell was you know kind of hesitant to accept his apology. Uh, I liked one thing about this scene, and that was uh, aside from Martin Sheen, who I tend to like in movies. Um, oh yeah, he's t- great. Never he. He toasts to the beginning of the world. And I thought that was cool that the end gets to be the beginning uh, because it'll start something new eventually. And uh, Sling shot us into a whole new, not us, but the next, you know, whatever into the next uh, phase of existence. And uh, that's pretty neat. I was okay with that. Yeah, it was fine. And then we didn't even mention this, but one of the characteristics of Penny is that she has what she refers to as, I believe, hypersomnia. Which yes. is that she sleeps really, really hard, and once Boy, again, is that Ryan, a plot device. Is, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Like so many of these characteristics just feel like convenient plot devices. Oh, where it's I thought like, that too. Because <laughs> yeah, because after they have so, and part of it too is it's supposed to be like a big reveal that the guy that can has the plane to be able to take her to her family is in fact Dodge's father. 
And so that sets up that moment. Let's and talk about that for a second. Can you, this is an honest to God question and I am ignorant as shit in this department, but so I'm asking uh, with all humility, um, can a, can a single prop Cessna of that caliber or whatever plane that was uh, a little Piper or a little Indian, can that make it to England from New Jersey? <laughs> I'm looking at that plane. I'm like, dude, that there's, there's no way that can make it to fucking England. That thing is suitable. I mean, how far is England? I, I got to look at a fucking map, but it's like, it's, I know it's six hours time difference. So that's gotta be like from here to California. Cause that's no, that's three hours. Wait, England might be three hours. Fuck. Now I, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Either way, I'm going to question that that plane could get to California or any further than that. Uh, you're going to have to stop for fuel. Uh, where are you going to stop for fuel in the middle uh, middle of the Atlantic Ocean? I I mean, maybe you go to Greenland first. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? This is exactly what I was talking about <laughs> earlier. It's it's a film that is best not scrutinized. You know, if you enjoy it, don't ask these questions. Just be cool with it because the more you start asking these questions, Ryan, the more you're going to see stuff doesn't hold up and it's going to affect your view of the film. Just, just yeah. Don't poke, don't don't poke the dead frog, as the comedians like to say. If you enjoyed it, just move right along. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Okay, so it's it's thirty four hundred miles uh, from New okay. York to England. Um, uh, now I'm gonna look up the uh, the distance of a single <laughs> single rock system and see if I'm gonna fact check this shit. Uh, carry on with the uh, discussion. I'm listening. <laughs> Well, yeah, so, you know, he gets her on the plane, Pops flies her away, Dodge did his good deed, and, uh, you know, he's going to go back home, and uh, we get to another time jump. It's a week later all of a sudden. (laughs) Go figure. We certainly have a lot of uh, different techniques and elements just kind of being, you know, thrown up against the wall seemingly at random here. So uh, why the hell not? Dodge goes back home, gets your favorite character, Miss Elsa, who's still cleaning, and... He kind of blows up at her a little bit, like, what the hell? Why are you still here? Go be with your family. The damn world's about to end. Like, what are you doing cleaning my goddamn apartment? And then, you know, again, she's just like, what the hell? Firing me. And, of course, he's like, no, no, we'll see you next week. So, again, it's just a woman that either refuses or can't accept the reality of what's going on for whatever reason. And uh, so, you know, shortly thereafter, it's the it's nighttime. It's going to be about the end of the world here. And he decides to listen to one of those records that Penny had left behind. Power goes out. He goes to investigate. Lo and behold, there she is. Turns out she made Pops turn around, not take her to her family. Not that he would have been able to anyways. Funny thing, actually, she probably really wanted to go, but she was like, hey, this plane is too small. We're going to die. He was yeah. Like, oh right. Let's go back. Yeah, he probably sobered up. <laughs> I think they were having some cocktails. She passed out. <laughs> he talked dad into going to England. He's like, "Fuck it, yeah, let's go, bro." <laughs> so it's like, like the way that like you pitch going to Vegas with your friend after. Yeah, the yeah, bro, let's go fuck right it. now, yeah, let's dude. Let's go. Let's just go right now. Yeah, and you get like halfway to fucking Barstow, and you're like, oh, sober shit. up, and it's like, oh this my is a god, idea. I have work tomorrow, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. We need to get back home. My wife's going to be pissed. <laughs> she does any, I don't even tell my wife. Did you pack clothes? No. No. What are we going to do? Uh, I, dude, let's just go home. Okay. 
I think that's <laughs> that's definitely the discussion that was being made in that uh, <laughs> place. Because I just I just looked it up. It looks like they can go uh, no more than eight hundred miles, give or take. Oh wow! So, without right. well, there you go. Yeah, another inconsistency. But uh, yeah, so in this <laughs> cutting edge documentary film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, he finds Penny there and they embrace and she's totally not upset at all for whatever reason. Be that he just threw her on a plane while she was sleeping and got rid of her. I, that's that to be honest, that's what it felt like to me. Like, I understand that. When you take a step back, it's supposed to be that, like, oh, you know, he he did it for her to send her off. But, like, that shit almost felt cold, dude. He was just like, yeah, hey, Pops, she's sleeping. Why don't you throw her in a plane, drive her off? You know what it felt like? It felt like, honey, the dog's sleeping. It's time. Put him in the car. Take him to the forest. Open the door and send him away. That's what it felt like. She was was putting her in the plane to like send her off and she's going to like wake up in a forest and then just howl at the moon in sadness. Yeah, it, it, in many ways, it was kind of a I know what's best for you moment better than you do or you wouldn't do the right thing if if you were given the chance, so I'm going to make the decision for you, which is kind of chauvinistic a little bit, a little, (laughs) right? A little bit. <laughs> no, no, you don't know what you want, honey. I know what you want. You want to get on the plane and get out of here. Yeah. Go on, sweetheart. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, if this movie wasn't written and directed by a woman, you know, uh, I, I would take a little <laughs> issue with that scene. But, uh, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, and then uh, it does end on a very sort of uh, tender scene where, you know, they, they embrace and everything's cool and they get into bed and she's talking about how she's scared and. He's sort of lovingly caressing her face and talking about how much her relationship means to him and everything about that. I also have a clip of that one as well. Gonna gonna go out on a little tender clip here, listeners. So let's let's hear what they have to say. Hey, what is it? How could you let me go? I don't know. So stupid. I woke up. I made him turn around. I don't want to fall asleep, okay? Don't let me fall asleep, promise. I promise. What about your parents? They're romantics, they understand. Besides, they've got each other. I just want to be with you. I want to be with you. I couldn't live without you. No matter how long. What do we do now? I just want to lie here with you. Sorry, my whole family are from there. Mm. Uh, my mum was a journalist before she married my dad. They never fought, or at least we never heard them fight. 
Charlie's the oldest, then Benny, then me. We had a sister, but she died when she was born. I still think about her. Oh, God. What's her name? What was your sister's name? Patricia. Patricia Hope Lockhart. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful name. I wish I'd met you a long time ago. When we were kids. Couldn't have happened any other way. Had to happen now. But it isn't enough time. Never would have been. I'm scared. I am madly in love with you, Penny. You're my favorite, favorite thing. I thought that somehow we'd save each other. We did. So yeah, from there, we fade to white, the world is over, and so is the movie. Yeah. And I suppose so is uh, about this episode. There's no happy endings. And uh, maybe that's why I like the movie uh, from an emo standpoint. Also, pretty cool that our last clip of the year was literally the world ending. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> happy New Year. Happy holidays to everybody listening. Um, I thought it was hilarious uh, in this right before this scene took place, Steve Carell turns on the news and watches the last news broadcast uh, where they talk about uh, the end of the world coming and how many hours are left. And, oh, by the way, it's daylight savings time this week, so they're going to lose an hour. They, okay, after all of that, the, uh, the writer takes an hour away from humanity at the last minute due to daylight savings time, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, that's a nice little touch. And uh, the cleaning woman shows up at the end, Elsa, and uh, she also refused once again to be fired and go home and uh, said, I'll see you next Thursday. So, uh, yeah, I wonder how her life turned out, <laughs> what, her, what her day was like at the end of the world. So once again, to reiterate, Ryan, I, I know I spent the bulk of this episode sort of team anti-seeking a friend for the world, for the end of the world, rather. But uh, I, I didn't hate it. It was fine. I, I, en- I enjoyed it reasonably. Like, there's nothing offensive about this movie, you know? It's like... The equivalent of uh, Coast FM or, you know, grocery store music. Like, you don't hate it, but you're not going to turn it on of your own volition. And that's kind of how I felt about this movie. But uh, why don't you go ahead and help us wrap this episode up with your three adjectives. I'm like kind of embarrassed to even say now. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Um, This was uh, my first word is sentimental. Um, I, this one kind of hit me a little hard. Like this one hit a little different in 2020, uh, than when I first saw it in 2012, you watch this in 2012, uh, you know, everything's all hunky dory and, uh, we're coming out of the recession Oh, the economy's going great. My career was just taken off at that point and things were going pretty smooth and it's like, oh yeah, you know, asteroid, huh? You know, but now that we're, <laughs> we've actually lived through some shit, we've seen some things, uh, this movie hit a little different and you know, Hey, look, um, I'm single. I have no children. And so I could see myself going on a 
bit of a dodge journey uh, if things get much worse. So if you're listening to this and the uh, podcast suddenly ends, you know, ask yourself, hey, maybe things got worse. And Ryan just gave up and took a ride. Uh, consistent is my <laughs> second word. I thought for better or worse, the tone of the film was consistent. I thought that, um, to me at least, the the through line to the film, the characters and the humor, uh, the beats, all the things in the film were you know pretty spot on all the way through. Uh, there was nothing, no like big left turns, no big twists. It was just a movie. And it was a consistent film uh, that took us places with characters. <laughs> and then our my last word is cathartic. Um, I left this movie feeling like, you know, hey, look, things, could, things are going to be okay. Um, you know, when they're laying in bed and the screen goes white and they're just talking to each other until the very last moment of humanity's existence, uh... I found some odd piece in that, um, that as long as you're spending your time with the right people, uh, the right person, um, you know, it's going to be okay. If it all comes to an end tomorrow, it'll be all right. And I think songs have been written about that. Uh, you know, it's just kind of, I, I left them. It was kind of a cathartic, uh, feeling for me, just a feeling of everything's going to be okay. I will say this. And then I'll pass to you. I'll leave you with a question. Love is a bit of a quandary. And I, it, when this movie ended, it left me with one question. If the asteroid dodged Earth and avoided this whole scenario uh, and humanity con- continued to exist, do you think Steve Carell and Keira Knightley's characters, Dodge and Penny, have a shot? Is love a worthy endeavor in the eyes of the filmmaker in so much as everybody else that had been in love in this movie, when push came to shove and the bitter end came, everybody bailed on love and they, the only reason Steve Carell and Keira Knightley work in this film as a couple is because the world is ending and they know that they're, that they only have to make it work for moments uh, or days or weeks or whatever. But uh, in that scenario, uh, anyone could find love. So their love is meaningless, right? Like that was kind of my takeaway from the film. Like if they were to press on, they would have been no different than Rob Corddry, uh and his wife or any other couple in the entire film. Uh, the only people that were finding success in the apocalypse were single. Like the uh, friends of hers that were in the uh, the basement down there in the bunker that they had built with titanium. With, uh, Jason, thoughts? That's interesting. No, I think that uh, I think that really sort of the overall point, if you will, is that nothing is finite, or rather, everything is finite, and nothing is infinite. And so, because of that, it's really just life is a series of moments, and it's a series of exchanges, and it's a series of making connections with very with different people for indeterminate amount of times, you know, and to live in the moment scenario. Yeah. I think it's kind of just appreciate people while you have them, which is, which is a sentiment I really do enjoy. And what you said was very nice. And what we're talking about right now are very nice sentiments. Like it did have a very nice sentiment at the end. I'm not going to decry that by any means. Um, And yeah, I do think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I don't, know how a lot of people's lives have gone with regards to their various relationships with people, not just 
romantic relationships, but, you know, friends, family, whatever. But I know that a large part of my experience has been that, you know, people come and go. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's very few people that have just been, you know, mainstays of like my entire life. You know, early on, it's just all about, you know, you with your parents because you're being raised. You know, then you move on. Some people stay in touch. Some people don't. Then you start to, you know, get together with your high school friends and your college buddies and your frat buddies and all these people. You know, you move out after you graduate. You've got some roommates and those are your people. And then you meet somebody. And then before you know it, you're starting a family. All those people kind of fall off. Maybe one or two people stick around. And now you're starting this new life with this, you know, woman or man, whoever it is. And I think that's sort of the overli- the underlying point, rather, is that our experiences with people and developing those relationships, they can be lifetime relationships or they can be blips on a radar. But that doesn't necessarily take away from the value of that experience. So... Just to just to summarize that you you love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a flawed film that made some very nice statements at the end. Right. Like, I mean, I can give it that. Right. No. I, you can you you can be nice and not necessarily talented or smart or gifted, but still you know be <laughs> a talent. Be you know have not have warmth in your heart and things of that nature. Right. This like, podcast is living proof of that, my friend. What are your three words? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. I, I wanted to make sure that I tried to kind of balance it a little bit. You know, make sure that it wasn't too one side or the other. So uh, the first one is that I, uh, it's a whimsical film. And I feel like I love whimsy personally. You know, it's kind of got a little bit of a, you know, it's like it's like the anti the road, right? I I, I don't know if you've seen that, the one with Viggo Mortensen, the road yeah. about the end yeah, of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's I love that movie too, but that's some heavy ass shit, right? Yeah. And this was most definitely not. This was a very whimsical take on the end of the world. Everything's kept light, fun, happy, and as you say, right now it's a great time to have that. So. I did appreciate that it had that in in spite of all the the, the flaws that I had like it, I did like that it it didn't resist the idea of showing up with a smile on its face and being like hey buddy let's just let's just put our arms around each other and, and go for a go for a nice walk down the street even in the end of the world It'd be mm-hmm. nice so I get that uh, I felt it was a disconnected film. Uh, quite the opposite of you, who felt it was sort of focused. I felt it jumped around a lot, whether it's the time jumps, whether it's the nature of the ticking clock device. The movie, just to me, it was not disciplined in how it progressed through telling its story. And finally, I felt it was tropey, and I'm sorry about that, but it just seemed to sort of check off all the boxes of the traditional romantic comedy after they got on the road, which, you know, is at least half the film, if not a little bit more. So loved the loved the opening. You know, it's kind of one of those movies where for the first 20 minutes, like I was really excited. You know, I, I, I was having a great time. And as it progressed, it started moving more away from the elements that I was there for and leaned into the elements that I wasn't quite there for. And so that kind of, you know, shifted it the other direction a little bit. So let's go ahead, Ryan. Let's slap a star and grade rating on it. I'll kick us off this time and let you know that I gave it a solid three stars out of five. Right there in the middle. Didn't love it, but didn't hate it. Not a great film, I would say, but by no means a bad film. Totally solid. 
Uh, I will, I'll go ahead and say, as anybody listening's probably picked up on by now, but if you like romantic comedies and if you're a fan of lighter fare and you're not somebody that looks super closely at a lot of the writing decisions and story elements and things of that nature, you're going to you're going to enjoy this film. And and Ryan enjoyed this film too and and he does those things. So I'm not going to say it's specifically relegated to casual viewers. Ryan's very knowledgeable about film and he loved it. So, but I do think that if you don't break it down too much, you will enjoy it more. So, 3 stars out of 5. Ryan, you do the grade ratings. What do you have? Uh, I'm going to start by agreeing with you, uh, for starters. Uh, I do, uh, this is not, again, uh, uh, this is not a movie to be dissected or looked at up close. Um, This is a movie to be observed in total, uh, you know, as, uh, for what it is. Kind of like Cher. Like, just don't get too close, and she still holds up, and everything's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, this is the share of movies. Uh, I'm going to give it an 89% B plus. Um, I can't put wow, it in the, nice. I can't as much as I love the movie, uh, just in the fun that I had watching it and the jokes and just going along for the ride. I can't, I'm not going to say this was a good movie. Um, like, or, or a great movie, I should say, wherein I would put yeah. it in categories of these a list films. I think it would be, it would do a disservice to my A rating in the future as we move forward <laughs> uh, into future episodes. When I give a movie an A, uh, people are going to be like, yeah, but this dipshit gave uh, Seeking a Friend an A. So what is his, what are his A's worth? So I can't devalue the A. The A stands B+. Plus, uh, but again, just because it's a fun romp. And uh, I can't stress this enough. It's been a rough year for all of us. Did we not need a little fun romp to wrap this up? Um <laughs> we Jason and I had a little discussion over what movie we were going to end the year with. And, you know, do we go dystopian? Do we go, uh, you know, kind of a little more lighthearted and jolly? Do we just go slapstick comedy and shove all in? Uh, we got some of each on the list. I'm looking forward to getting to all the above. But uh, we decided to leave you with something a little lighthearted. If you watch the movies with us uh, before you listen to our podcast, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, thank you so much, all of you, for listening and putting up with our bullshit. We've got a lot of great movies on the list coming up at you. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for having me this year. Appreciate you, buddy. I hope... uh, Yeah, man. I can only say I hope I get to be one of those constants in your life and not uh, one of the come-and-go people. (laughs) You and me both, buddy. I love doing this program with you. I love talking film with you. I love having something that we can sort of do together. And yeah, man, we're going to be doing this show for a long time to everybody who's listening. So don't expect us to be going anywhere anytime soon. Till the end of the world. We're doing this show till (laughs) the end of the world. It's going to be Jason and I in a bed. I'm going to brush his hair out of his face. His hair's getting really long. (laughs) We're going to listen to some Walker Brothers uh, on some vinyl because it sounds warmer. Jason, I'm going to be your, uh, what you call it? Your, your, Your glitter, glam, glitzy... Uh, mermaid girl, whatever the fuck. Uh, so manic pixie dream girl. That's the one, and I'm gonna be that for you, buddy, <laughs> till the bitter end on this goddamn podcast. Thank you for having me. I love it, man. I love it. To everybody who's listening, man, we hope that you have a great, great 2021. Like Ryan said, it's been rough on us, but you know, hopefully, hanging out with us, watching movies, talking about them, listening to two jackasses, you know. Just kind of joke around a little bit, bring some levity to your life, give you something that you can focus on, 
And, you know, let's keep this going, man. I mean, if we're going to get through whatever may come down the road, you know, we have to we have to really embrace art and entertainment and really, you know, what whatever happens around us economically and otherwise, we can always make art on our own. Maybe not some giant ass Marvel movie, but we can make small independent films. We can write movies. We can write books. We can get this stuff. There's so many options for us to make and produce material and share it with the other. And maybe this is a time where we stop having to look at the studio system and we stop having to look at what's popular and what's a bestseller. And we start thinking locally and we start reaching out to a lot of indie artists. And I mean, like Ryan, I would love to be able to, you know, have an episode or several episodes where, you know, we're reached out to by people out there in the indie filmmaking community. And it's like, hey, you know, look at my film, you know, put it on your list or do an episode on it. And, you know, whether you love it or hate it, you know, there's nothing like that. Like we've really got to embrace the local community because what we see is, you know, what happened this whole year is how quickly these giant institutions can be, can come crumbling down. And it may, the, the movie industry, I mean, right now it feels like it'll never come back. I'm, I'm sure it just feels that way. I'm sure it will. But even if it does, you know, it's going to be at least three, five, seven, ten years, and it's probably going to look a whole lot different. And, you know, but we as artists and we as individuals can continue to create content. And if we accept that not everything has to be some giant studio production and we can start thinking about how can we interact with other artists and other people in the film and cinematic and artistic community on a local level. I think that's the one thing we need to come away with this year is the importance of art and helping us through these these really turbulent times where everything else can disappear, money, infrastructure, business, but we can continue making art in spite of all of it. Yeah, I agree with all those things. Yeah, so with that being said, guys, we're going to go ahead and leave you. Hope you have an excellent 21. Don't forget... We do want to hear from you. We love hearing from you guys. And you can hit us up a couple of different ways. Firstly, Ryan, we don't talk about it. We have a hell of an Instagram. We have have a very cool Instagram account. So just search Esoterica Cinema on Instagram. Find us. And we've got a lot of cool pictures and quotes that we post there. As always, you can hit us up on Twitter at Esoterica Cinema. Take advantage of those 280 characters. Go back and forth. And you can also send us a nice long email esotericacinema at gmail.com I know somebody out there is having one delicious muffin and they're going to need someone to talk to about it so to you out there go ahead and email me let us know how it is guys can't thank you enough for hanging around with us we do this for each other we do this for you we do this for the films and we hope that you stick around with us for a long time Ryan thanks again for hanging around with me man like we're going to do this for a long time and I'm loving every second of it See you next year, buddy. And hey, just to remember everybody before we go, we will still be back in two weeks in 2021. And we are going to have a full-length episode for you with comparisons and a comedy sketch and the two films and everything. It's going to be great to remind you those two films, The Diving Bell and The Butterfly, as well as Dr. Sleep, Director's Cut. Have a great, great rest of the year. And we will see you next year on Esoterica Cinema. Your number one for classic radio listening. Coast 103.5. 
Coast 103.5. This is your friend Laidback Larry, and those were a couple end-of-the-world love songs for you. First up was Thong Song by Cisco, and followed by that, of course, we had Wet Ass Pussy by Cardi B. You know, listeners, I think it's interesting and worth addressing that ever since the end of the world was formally announced, I've noticed the concept of love has in fact demonstrated itself to amount to little more than raw, carnal displays of graphic sexuality, each more extreme and shocking than the next. And we just want to let you know that here at Coast, we're going to be right by your side as you continue to push the envelope in new and unsettling ways. A quick reminder before we continue that The End of the World is brought to you by Rock Monster Energy Drink. Rock Monster. One day meth will be legal, but until then, there's Rock Monster. Listeners, I did just receive a call on the coastline from Ron and Tarzana. Amanda, if you're listening, Ron wants you to know that while he engaged in arguably perverted sexual acts with no less than 18 women at the Rockford Orgy yesterday... You, by far, gave the best, most aggressive head, and he appreciates you. It's 1.37 a.m. here on the coast. We'll be right back after these quick words from our sponsors. What does the future hold for the ultimate thrill-seekers? How will they evolve? Their heads will become more streamlined to handle the tremendous velocity from the most frightening roller coaster on Earth, Viper. Laidback Larry here with you again at Coast 103.5. Just received a bit of bad news. Apparently science has failed us, and the uh, projections were wrong. It's now projected that Earth will come to a demise... ...immediately. Listeners, I did want to take these final moments on Earth to announce that I formally reject all organized religion from here on out. God is dead and I hereby pledge allegiance to the deity known only as Baphomet in all his unholy glory. Also want to give one more quick shout out to our sponsor, Rock Monster Energy Drink. Rock Monster, cause fuck your heart and everything else. This is Laidback Larry saying so long and hail Satan on behalf of Coast 103.5 FM. From the incomparable mind of Ashton McCauley comes a novel people are hailing as an instant classic. White Out, a Nick Fentner adventure. Nick Fentner has two defining characteristics. He is both a profound drunk and a damn good monster hunter. In White Out, Nick's skills are put to the test as he is tasked with searching the mountains of the Himalayas for the lost gates of Shangri-La. Unfortunately for Nick, his arch-nemesis Manchester also has his sights set on the gates and the hefty reward that goes with it. The two are pitted in a race to the top of the mountains, a race made all the more troublesome by a yeti that has been terrorizing the lands. Featuring death-defying action and a hilarious wit, Whiteout by Ashton McCauley is the next great adventure in American fiction. Find Whiteout today in ebook, hardcover and paperback versions Online and everywhere books are sold. Published by Aberrant Literature.